0: Hello and welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 58, Fear in the Headlights. It's another, this is the second episode in a row where I've thought of a really good title after we already recorded the episode and I didn't drop it in the episode. And I know that it would have been funny and Daniel would have laughed, but home is where the hearth is. I forgot about it. Fear in the headlights. I messed that one up. Well, sorry. At least it gets to be the podcast title. Anyway, in this episode, Daniel and I talk a little bit about the fact that his job is coming to an end, not permanently, but because it's the start of summer and he's a teacher. So now he gets his annual break from work. Uh, and so he's happy about that We talk about some of the annoyances of adult life and complain about the DMV. Uh, But then we quickly move into our main topic of discussion for this episode, which is fear. The emotion phenomenon of fear, the behavior of fear. Uh, We discuss the difference between fear, anxiety, and panic. How much they overlap and where they're different. We talk about some anecdotes, uh, personal anecdotes about what When we experience fear, whether it's rational or irrational, we talk about some specific phobias uh, and generally just muse on what it means to be afraid of something. So uh, I thought it was a very interesting discussion. I found fear to be a pretty interesting topic, and I hope you will as well. So with that, we will let the episode begin. Enjoy.
1: Bennett. Daniel. I've walked out of school today, my last day of work, and into this podcast. So mm-hmm. I'm experiencing or I should be anyway, experiencing that blissful euphoric, like if if there's the best time of year, like you could say this is it. And it like this if you could concentrate that time into like a two hour span, this would be it, you know, statistically in terms of I've got the most holiday or time off ahead of me and uh
0: that's nice congratulations it must be nice to have such an easy job where you don't have to work (laughs) for months at a time like during the year you you know you get to leave at like three or something you don't even work the whole day and then you get all those holidays and then the whole summer Man,
1: it's why I took the job, it's just how easy it is and how much time I get off, you know? That's why nice. I do it. Well, congrats.
0: Congrats on your uh on your easy <laughs> easy job and lack of uh, lack of activity uh, now yeah, for, yeah. for a few weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness though, it's it's a reminder how like this should be the moment I feel elation, but various life circumstances can always like I, first of all maybe my brain and my uh, or, or my feelings lag behind. Like maybe it hasn't dawned on me, but also things like I haven't got my license plates switched from from my previous state to this state. Ah, who <laughs> and cares? So
0: it's probably cheaper well, to not do it anyway.
1: I've told myself I was going to do it like immediately the day the first day of summer vacation, so that would be tomorrow. And it's like I know I'm going to go in there, and they're going to tell me I did something wrong because I can't find the title exactly and it's been a nightmare to try and replace the title so i'm just gonna go in and be like tell me what to do like i'm not leaving here until like <laughs> i will i'll just bring some cuffs or something and be like it's fine i'm willing to fill out the form just tell me which form i've been on the internet for hours clicking around the various both states and and you gotta help me here it's why i'm here um yeah i hate all of that so happy uh, summer happy summer to me yeah happy
0: summer. <laughs> I hate all of that stuff, DMV nonsense, licensing crap. Like, it's so I think a lot of of
1: ad- adults, educated adults that have their lives together, like have some of some of the adulting stuff in disarray, um, and that could even be. I mean, I would lump saving for retirement. Well, not saving. Like the sentiment of saving is not some mysterious thing, but like health insurance. Uh, and retirement, um, DMV shenanigans, like all this stuff is fairly confusing and, and you fill out so many forms and they ask you to recount so many things that you either don't have with you uh, and you don't even know how to access and I just get frustrated by it all.
0: Yeah, well, no one teaches you that stuff. I mean, hopefully your parents do, maybe. Uh, otherwise, you just have to like search on the internet for instructions. <laughs> Um, and they're
1: so poorly written too. Well, uh, I and, find like DMV's d- descriptions of what forms you need. I mean, mine should not be that difficult. I'm just I'm new to the state, and I need a license plate and I'll, and whatever stickers you need me to you know pay for.
0: Well, North Carolina, uh, uh, I know, has some really dumb uh, DMV rules because if you recall, when I moved out of North Carolina, they they have a rule where you're supposed to take your car tag. And turn it into them you don't get to keep your car tag which i think is stupid because well firstly i paid hundreds of dollars uh for the tag for the essentially for this meaningless um metal plate to slap on my car so
1: to identify your car right and
0: like i have my car tags from all the previous states i lived in and i kind of like having them so i had no intention i had no intention of turning my tag back in um, and so you have to do this, uh, fill out a form for lost plates or missing. I wonder plates if Florida has that. I doubt it. No, Florida doesn't. Say, I lived yeah, in okay. Florida previously and did not, you don't have to turn your tag in to Florida. At least I at that time you didn't.
1: I had a colleague who lived in North Carolina, moved out for like 10 years, comes back and tries to get a tag and he had never returned his tag. And they were like, yeah. he owed a bunch of money and had some t- like fines and things basically yeah like somehow they remember and that's why they do it i would assume as yeah. these rare little money grubbing
0: moments yeah i hate that kind aren't,
1: of aren't so rare in mass i suppose i hate that and kind of people stuff. Leaving them freaking north yeah. carolina it's Cheers. unreasonable you've moved and they want you to return the tag because what they want it so badly right I well mean, that's do you the think thing they, like, they you get, get can, it and they go thank you yeah, <laughs> what, let me recycle it what,
0: what's the intended path there like is, let's say you're doing like i did and you're moving to a state far away and okay so you're supposed to turn in the tag before you when move. okay so now you drive across the country without you can't without you can't have registered it in your destination state yet so you're just supposed to drive without any sort of that doesn't work that way
1: or they're like no 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 keep the tag but just mail, mail it. it to us oh, yeah. like what what okay so when i'm moving and i'm getting my furniture straightened and i'm trying to get my internet turned on i'm supposed to mail Mail you my tag (laughs) what are you gonna do with it what are you gonna do with it north carolina
0: (laughs) are you gonna take it and smelt it down and make the next car tag with it you're gonna like put it file it away in the file drawer oh yeah bennett moved out of our state we'll keep this for our records no, you're just gonna you're gonna take it out of the mailbox and throw it directly in the garbage. That's what you're gonna do with yeah. it.
1: And you know they are. Yeah. And you know that they're just and they just check a box that dang it he followed the rules. We can't we can't yeah we can't, can't find him. They might, might not check that him. half the time anyway. Can't you imagine actually going through the trouble and then just saying oh we never received well, it. Well, the the ridiculous thing <laughs> like, okay, the, the
0: ridiculous thing is that um, when I left I I still had like six months left on my registration and if you read your the registration page or card or whatever it says if you leave the state before your registration is up you can get refunded for the difference so i did that i I called them and i found whatever form i had to fill out i filled it out and they refunded me like you know 170 dollars or whatever it was for the unused registration time and meanwhile through some separate branch of bureauc bureaucratic crap like the tag office they were hounding me we haven't you know we 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 notified that you registered in another state. and We haven't received your car tag, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I filled out the lost tag form and sent it in. And I had to follow up with them like every week for like four or five weeks to make sure that they process this form and weren't trying to like block my purchase of insurance in my new state. So it was actually a real headache to, uh, to, to deal with for a while. North oh, Carolina is sucks a real and people who live there also suck. <laughs> Not really, I actually... I, I kind of liked North Carolina. Mildly positive overall. I, uh, yeah, I'm just prepared
1: to walk in and then say, no, no, this isn't going to cut it. I mean, I, I got the driver's license somehow, uh, and that was a pain. Uh, yeah, you don't have we'll to have a car.
0: This. You don't have to have a car to have a driver's license. So you wouldn't have needed your title. But to register your but, car. But, you but something
1: happen. weird happened where Danielle didn't have the insurance, the, 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 over here in north carolina and so they like blocked her from getting a license if i'm not mistaken there was some sort of blocking going on with her dealing with her car which doesn't make sense now that you probably say it that way she
0: stole she's a car thief right she stole that yeah yeah so i don't think they let you know
1: there was something to do i thought with the insurance and i remember like scrambling because i had to bring in proof of insurance of my car and show it And so I just don't know, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to think about it. I'll deal with that tomorrow. That's a tomorrow Daniel problem.
0: (laughs) That's a, that's a summer, a summer Daniel problem. Today, today you're still. (laughs) Today's a work day. Today's a work day. So it's too much to think about and to deal with on that. Yeah. That's really nice though, to have the whole summer ahead of you. Like that's one thing that I kind of miss, you know, being a student is that you always have something pretty significant to look forward to in the year. You're looking forward to summer break is it really, really divides up the year when, you know, when you're just a normal hardworking American, you know, working a normal (laughs) hardworking full schedule, you don't have any big break to look forward to. You have your Christmas holidays, but usually you only get a couple of holidays, um, in that period. And so it just becomes kind of a year long monotony. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little jealous of you, at least until the robots take your job. I think having, having
1: distinguished beginning and ends to a school year, it really, like I've just finished year 11 in education uh, as head teacher, I guess, if you were counting all my years of getting a degree and all that's different. But I just really like each each year has a distinguished flavor. And also, if you have a class you, it's, you struggle with, it's like, okay, it's only for a year. It's just... Clear ends in sight is, I think, a health and beginnings is just healthy. Whether it's planning vacations, like they say, the anticipation mm-hmm. and and renewed interest, like getting a break from your job to come back in and try something new. Uh, if it was just an on, like kind of a never ending process, when do you get a moment to pause and go, you know what? I'm going to change direction this year. Like I, you don't, you get to do that as a teacher. Oh yeah, next year I'm going to implement this program. It's a little too late this year, and you can start to think about it over the summer and work on it and tinker with with your you know curriculum so that's fun
0: yeah um i have a different topic that i want to discuss with you uh good i think we have talked about it a little bit before but but not much uh and that topic is fear Ooh. The, the emotion of fear ah. is, is it emotion an emotion i guess it is right Fear, the I would think so, yeah, like fear. anger the and response. anxiety and... Physical response of fear.
1: Frustration, all these are, are yeah, fear. Do you, fear is uh, an emotion, I would think.
0: Do you have any fears? And I guess, like, uh, we probably need to, at least through the course of the conversation, try to hone in on what that means, because, you know, people talk about phobias pretty commonly. Yeah. And, like, is that fear? Uh, and
1: y- Yeah, I would think so. Oh, but... It's interesting to say, like, do I experience fear? Certainly, yes, 100%. Um, and do I have fears? Uh, that feels very different. I know, right? Um, it's a,
0: so that's why, like, well, we're using the same word, but do we mean something different?
1: Well, to say I have a fear of fill in the blank, I'm giving some power over to whatever it is. It means that I have a narrative in my head that mm-hmm. that is one of my beasts, and uh, and I if I'm if I'm saying I have a fear of death now, when the subject of death comes up, I'm like, oh oh, here comes my, oh, that's the thing my fear, my, my that enemy, a fear that thi- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, like I'm 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 setting myself up to be triggered in that regard, right? Like I'm I'm giving it this, this really this power over me, I suppose. Whereas just experiencing fear, I don't, I mean, well, if you are honestly scared and you're just labeling it, that's something that causes fear, that seems healthy. But then, but I do think it's a two-way street. I think it starts to, if that becomes part of your identity, lending itself like, oh, that that freaks me out. That really, uh, and, and, and I have a, a brief little anecdote of like, perhaps even being conditioned to be fearful of something, and that is uh, spiders. You know, remember our, our, our childhood friend Rick? Uh, mm-hmm. Rick was uh, popular, and I saw him as like an aspirational, aspirationally socially positioned within the grade. What, uh, girls liked where, where him. Was he was, this? was cool. Um, this would have been probably fourth grade or so, um, maybe even third. And I was friends with him, but I think he just had a lot more cool capital. And one thing I noticed about Rick was that he was terrified of spiders and would, almost I mean, this per, almost performative, ah, and like, and the girls would laugh and he'd get attention that I saw as like positive and spiders are pretty creepy. I mean, even if you're not fearful of them, you look at them and you go, you can see why people go, oh, that's not my thing. And I certainly don't want to handle spiders. I don't have any desire to have them as pets. They are uh, creepy, crawly little critters. And so... Uh, I sort of adopted that, like I agreed with him. I was an agreeable personality type, and I would be scared, I'd be fearful of spiders, and kind of make a show of it. Um, and and but if I'm being honest, like then it started to become unclear: was I actually growing in fear of spiders? Like now that that's my thing is to get up and run around and go woohoo! No, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and and like at what point does that is it does the performance become the self? Right, and, right. And so I do think, because it's, it's weird when you say, do I have fears? well, I don't want my loved ones to die. Death is a little is scary for sure. Like, like that is it's unknown. Um, but I don't have things that like, and I don't like cockroaches or spiders. So but
0: let's say, so, uh-huh. all right, so how do you behave if you're sitting on the couch? And you look over at the wall and there's a spider on the wall. What you, what is your reaction? Are
1: people are
0: people with me? No one is with you, it's just you alone. I just kinda of have this damn it. I have to take care of this. Okay, and what do you like, do?
1: And I go get probably too many paper towels, like probably triple what you think you need. <laughs> <laughs> like take take whatever you think is appropriate and triple it. Yeah. Just
0: so those fangs, <laughs> the spider fangs don't penetrate all the way through the <laughs> i don't want to i don't
1: want to feel anything Crunching. but paper towels as i squash them or i don't want to feel any like like legs move I, I, no i want i want a hilarious <laughs> amount of paper towels between me and the thing okay um
0: and, but you grab water. the paper towels you approach the spider with the, yeah. bu- the bundle and you smush it
1: yeah or a flip-flop i guess but i have paper towels ready i have some sort of and i would say that i am tentative maybe more than the average person like you might chuckle watching me as i am like studying it probably from a little bit too further away than you would um a good like wherever you would stand i'm like four feet back from that i'm yeah. looking i'm seeing is it is it standing perfectly still how is it going to respond when i get yeah. uh, you know get a foot closer so i'm, I'm going to take probably uh, double the time you would right. but, but I don't want to linger too much so and and then I just take care of it I just do it. Okay, and um, so
0: all right now h- What happens if you're walking? F- down a tr- You know nice trail wooded trail and you feel that you run into like a spider web. how, how do you uh, respond at that point? Pff, pff,
1: pff, pff.
0: <laughs> like that <laughs> like what um, I
1: <laughs> I okay. I really don't like it, and I would I would uh, make it the immediate thing I'm addressing. So I would make sure to get all the cobweb off of me, and then have a, a partner or, or someone around me inspect me to see if as the spiders on me. Inspecting myself if the spider is on me. Yeah, um, and I might even have sort of a, a phantom spider feeling for the oh. next fifteen minutes of like, ah, is that is that it? Is that it? Is that something? You know, as my arm hair maybe? Yeah. Uh, Gets nudged by uh, or whatever, you know. Right. So, um, so okay. Yeah. So
0: it sounds like I mean, all of this though sounds pretty within the normal bounds of fear. Like I would hesitate to call it arachnophobia. You know. Oh,
1: for sure. I'm not. I just can tell you it's not the fact that I just take care of the spider. I mean, I think I think arachnophobia would be like you leave the apartment right. if there's a spider or or. Or you get all silly, you know, like, arachnophobia, about it.
0: arachnophobia seems like a really unfortunate phobia to have, you know, if it truly is an irrational panic response to spiders, because it, there's some like pop science factoid that may or may not be true. That's like, no matter where you, unless you're like in the Arctic circle or in Antarctica, there's a spider with it. There are, is at least one spider within 20 feet of you at all times (laughs) because they're just so ubiquitous. And so like having arachnophobia would be, if you, if you learn that factoid, then you're just kind of like, well, there's no, there's no escape. Also on the topic of arachnophobia, I don't know if you're aware of this in the video game sphere. It's become increasingly common to include in the settings an arachnophobia mode that turns off spiders in video games spiders (laughs) yeah spiders are a pretty long-standing yeah it's it's everywhere is a bad bad guy especially in like rpgs you have your giant spiders in the dungeons and all that stuff but because people are so uh uh, or sensitive sensitive sorry i was trying to think of the most um polite way to phrase it yeah uh weak (laughs) oh that's what i was gonna say um yeah, they there's now a toggle pretty often to so people can turn off uh, turn off the spiders and spiders video specifically spiders specifically I mean, yeah
1: that is I did not know that and I find that um, I just don't know where that's gonna lead I mean how many you're gonna have to have a talk like go to your trigger page and have seventy things on there and it's like I don't like you know there's one with like hole people don't like holes and things yeah yeah, yeah. So it's funny that you knew that. Um, yeah, because like,
0: that's one that I like to uh, – a lot of people don't know that one, but a lot of people actually are very are – they're made very uncomfortable by those trypophobia pictures of you – know, they're like photoshopped hands with holes in them and everything. Yeah, yeah. People, they
1: are gro- – I get it. There's It does happen to something. I, I When I see that, I go, that's disturbing. But but I think I'm – but I don't get uh, – I don't know I guess what I'm saying when I am saying I have a visceral reaction what I mean is there's some sympathy in me that like to someone that's, if they were to wig out I would feel like why why are you wigging out I don't get that that extreme I find this slightly unnerving and I recognize that there's something unnerving in it but I don't get the uh yeah the like, intensity
0: of I, the reaction that's yes. kind of that's yeah. kind of my response too like I wouldn't I wouldn't say necessarily that I have any phobias uh, I In the same way that you dislike spiders, I dislike bees and wasps, that kind of thing. Yeah, Flying, yeah. buzzing, stinging insects. That's called uh, melissophobia, by the way. What a strange name. Mel- melissophobia. Melissophobia, yeah. Uh, don't know who mel- Melissa is out there. Melissa <laughs> was the inventor <laughs> of the bee.
1: But yeah, you know Danielle has a similar like I can picture you you and her if we walk by and you hear some buzzing. I'm ducking and dodging. Similarly, like yeah yeah you're like and you go into sort of a panic. I theorize that these wasps hornets all of them right they they respond. Like like dogs have this sixth sense about fear, and so people who fear dogs have a tough time with dogs because the dog dog gets worked up. It's and uh, a cynophobia, by the way. Cynophobia. What? Sinopho- or cynophobia? Sinoph- yeah. So, the I think wasps and things respond similarly. They just see the movement and the incense, some form of anxiety. I have no idea. I don't but think like that's it true. A, <laughs> it just seems attracted to those people freaking out. You know. Um, And I have found that if I just walk calmly or just be like, I want to, because who doesn't want out of a situation where they're hearing hornets fly overhead or nearby? Like, we all do. Um, But just to continue walking swiftly, purposefully, and without, like, any jerking, I feel like it follows Danielle and does not follow me.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's true. Um, I mean, I, I agree that you can assert your willpower and not, you know not move around for bees and wasps and stuff i don't like if if you have like tyrannosaurus rexophobia or whatever you know that makes (laughs) sense because you're not supposed to run because they they see movement right according to the scientific film jurassic park (laughs) and so you know if you have tyrannosaurus rexophobia and you panic that would be a really bad thing uh, whereas if you're kind of stoic and you stand there and you master your fear, then that's a good thing. But with wasps and bees, like I don't think they they don't like key off of your movement. In fact, if you're like threatening their hive or their nest or their food or whatever it is, then it seems like th- their purpose would be to get you to leave. And so they would want you to move and you know, yes, get away. And also think about think about too, it Involves
1: movement. I don't know. Th- think about sort of too, like uh,
0: when bees or wasps or horseflies or whatever start bothering a horse. You know, they flip their tail around. You know, dramatically and try to swat the uh, swat the bugs away. And that's the same kind of, that's how I see what I do, right? If a bee buzzes by my ear, I can not throw my hands up real quick. I don't, like, go, "Ah!" and run off and get scared. I just kind of throw my hands up to try to scare it away. Like, stop buzzing around me. Go buzz somewhere else. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Actually, I have an anecdote from just the other day. I went on a really long hike. I have two fear-related anecdotes that I can discuss from (laughs) uh, from this hike. The first is about bees or wasps. I don't know what it was. I didn't investigate. Maybe horseflies or something. Anyway, loud buzzing bug, and they're just you're out in the wilderness, and there're flower wildflowers all around and everything, and so there are obviously a lot of bugs, and they just buzz around you. You're constantly hearing that 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 hum of a yeah, bug flying somewhere within a few feet of you, and like the first time it happens. You know, I give my normal response, like wave my hands around a little bit, like ah, get away, don't bother me. I'm not even looking for the specific bug. I'm just like, okay, get away, just don't land on me, just go away. But after that persists for like minutes, constantly while you're walking, there's just nothing you can do. Like it's just ever present. It doesn't make sense to wave your hands around anymore. Just ignore it as best you can and keep going. And that's what I did. And you know and i you know i didn't get stung or bit or whatever and i also didn't run off in fear and dive into the lake um to escape the the buzzing so like i think i'm kind of in the same place as you are with your uh your mild arachnophobia uh, <laughs> with my melissa <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well that's the thing is we could
1: both safely say that i think we're just within the realm of being like maybe slightly fearful um but not, I mean, phobia, we're way away from that. Well, we he, just have a preference, like a pretty yeah. strong preference well, the, of not liking something. He, he,
0: here's a, here's another anecdote, and maybe this will help us kind of distinguish between fear and some other uh, some other sensations or emotions. So another thing that happened on my long hike is, you know I hiked this really long distance, and there was a... Um, a location at the end that I wanted to visit, and so, but it was further than I had planned on hiking. But I decided to do it anyway. So I kept, I kept walking, and as I was walking down the trail, excited to see somewhere new and unknown, a very large moose walked out uh, within, uh, w- you know, within close enough a distance where it was like, okay, this is this is a little too close to be to a moose, um, because they're and they're bad mofo's, aren't they? I mean, they they kill people. They're they angry. Can. I, I
1: yeah. hear thing like. The meanest animals are, like, hippos and, and mo- moose, moose eye, or whatever. moose moose <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, they'll charge you. Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to, like, get out and pet them or, you know, they're not friendly animals. Um, and so, th- this was a female moose. It wasn't a male. It didn't have a big uh, – didn't have the big antlers. Um, but anyway, it was huge, right? They're bigger than horses are. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I immediately was like, okay, time to stop and turn around. It's so, like, I just didn't even – Consider continuing to walk the trail ne- nearer to the moose, and so was right. was that response a fear response? Like, was that a do I have undiagnosed mooseophobia?
1: <laughs> I I mean, obviously, I don't think having a fear an appropriate reaction, which I would say you did, and it was probably the fact that you weren't even considering you like you you. you <laughs> your brain made a decision for you or like fear bypassed the prefrontal cortex and decision-making said, Hey, I'm taking care of this one. Like get, get out. And you thought you my get, my guess is you had a little bit of an adrenaline rush. Uh, you thought clearly and you were decisive and you just got out of there, which is what I think one of the benefits of fear. I actually
0: didn't, I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have that adrenaline sensation, that you know we that we've talked about before in other situations it was just a very clear like yep this is uh you know this is a dangerous thing that i'm not gonna entertain further and just it's time for i was already planning on turning around soon and this is as good a spot as any i'm turning around and then look over my shoulder you know as i walk away to make sure the moose isn't chasing me Um, right
1: well you recognize the potential for danger and in that well, I guess well, so, maybe this is a distinct case where, you know, it wasn't like immediate threat, fear, and all the things we're talking about, but it was a, I need to be on high alert at the very least, right? right?
0: So that's what and I was so, going to ask. Like, what's the, what's the distinction between fear, uh, anxiety, and panic? Are those three things distinct, or are they overlapping in some way? I think you can be... I think when you're at the, yeah, they're
1: overlapping for sure. And, and maybe, all, maybe fear is the umbrella term. But I think, well, panic seems easy for me. Panic is when fear has gone to the point that you are debilitated. Your decision making is, you, you just, I don't want to say C Reg, because that's the anger metaphor, mm-hmm. but you are not making a decision. And panic, people don't make good decisions while panicked at all. In fact, they either just shut down, sit down, cry. Uh, lash out there they revert to some almost child-like form of a tantrum or something like that that would be or or silence but I mean, they are if
0: if you looked over on the wall and saw the spider and you started shouting and immediately ran out of your apartment that would be panic right i guess mate in a
1: Well, we use things that we might say panic in his eyes and panic. We overuse the term, but I think I'm not even sure that that would be that'd be the fight or flight and the flight kicked in. But I would call panic like I back to a corner and I sit down slowly as I'm like going like that's just I mean that's panic too. That is panic. I guess I guess I guess running out is a in a fit of panic you could run out of the room, but that is also a that did remove that was. They had utility in it. So I wanted to say that panic was beyond utility. It's just like to me, it seems like
0: panic is when your fear or anxiety pushes you into into action, irrational action. I would say that's yeah. when it becomes well. Panic. Okay,
1: well, we can say irrational action, and those irrational actions can still be yeah, they can useful. Be, they can if you're if that. you're a fire if you're a, a jet plane. Operator, a jet fighter, <laughs> and, you're, and you're and you're going down, and you're panicking, and you're trying to pull up. I think they call those guys pull up, pull up, planers. Know. I think that's what they're planers.
0: called.
1: Planers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can imagine though, like you are panicking, and you might still either click eject, or you're trying to pull up, and and you're just operating on autopilot I guess because you're 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 just like safety safe (laughs) autoplaner whatever the safest thing and that's where training by the way I imagine like yeah when you're in panic mode let's make sure you're doing the right things if you're an expert in a situation that's what that's what training is, is doing you almost create muscle memory And uh, so when you're not thinking intellectually, whatever you just do in that state of panic better be useful. And I think that's what it means to be an expert in some ways that when people say they could do it in their sleep, you're also saying in a panic filled state, I'd probably make a decision that was useful, even though I've bypassed logic and that sort of thing.
0: Mm. So how does uh, anxiety fit in?
1: Um, there's uh, I my knee-jerk is to say there's an anticipatory nature in it. Like mm-hmm. fear is like we are smart people and we can anticipate things not going well. And in that, uh, like we know we're tangential to danger, so we can even conjure up danger where it may or may not exist. Yeah. So we can live in perpetual fear despite relative safety.
0: Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was think. I was thinking that too. So it seems like our definitions are pretty they line up pretty well.
1: Yeah. Here's I mean a... I think that's why these Sunday scaries and things where you're like fearful of the events because right? I intellectually know I've 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 lived through a lot of Mondays and they've actually gone well. So intellectually I'm not I have confidence that my day will go well on Monday, but on Sunday night it's just ah I've got all this stuff that it's unresolved and so it is that anticipation and as soon as the day starts and I put in the work on Sunday necessary to make Monday good. I feel, you know, it relieves, it it resolves pretty quickly.
0: Would you, how do you, what do you think about this definition of fear? Um, It's, it's a, it's a negative response that alters your behavior uh, or it's a behavior. It's the emotion that causes a behavioral response in a negative direction uh let me let me give some examples Wait. um yeah okay to try to clarify so like there are things that you do to you 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 alter your behaviors in order to avoid potential negative future outcomes for example you exercise to avoid gaining weight or, or becoming unhealthy um or uh you know you i don't know th- things of that nature right you 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 uh put money aside so that you don't you're not in poverty later on that kind of thing is that a fear of getting fat or a fear of being poor are those sorts of behaviors uh, could you classify that as fear
1: i think you could i just instead of like you working out to celebrate being in good shape and feel good or saving money so that you can enjoy your uh, your rewards or your earnings uh, at the end, mm-hmm. um, like it seems like a negative framing, like like that we're operating out of. I, I guess that's why you said negative. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's a response. I think it's to pretty, avoid negative outcomes.
0: I mean, um, if you had to honestly assess, of you know, a, a lot of people are on diets or exercise plans to you know to to help with their health. How how many of those? Pe- what percentage of those people are doing it? Because it makes them feel really good and positive. And how many are doing it because they want to avoid, you know, being fat? Like I, I think for that particular example, more people are exercising in an avoidant way than yeah. in a in an enjoy in a positive way.
1: One hundred percent. Like, and then the people with the really great bodies though constantly talk about it being a lifestyle, or like how good they feel, sure, and, how and it's like good for them. And, on their
0: and that that may even be a you know fake it till you make it kind of thing that they've, you know, they psychologically. But what's motivating
1: work. people is they look in the mirror one day and go, "I'm not. I, this this is not acceptable to me." Yes, or yeah, uh, oftentimes right? right, and then right. they work out to avoid this thing that's making them feel bad. But I guess what's the difference between avoiding a negative outcome avoiding negatives and in, or, and pursuing positives like that's the same coin right just different sides of that coin so um maybe you know but stu- studying for the test not to fail or studying for the test to to do well on the test i don't know well, as like-
0: a as an educator entering into summer you would be the one to speak to the motivations there like what what has more utility in the educational context the carrot or the stick um it seems like the stick does right that's the whole like the purpose of grading now it seems to is to discourage inaction or poor behavior rather than to reward good behavior would, would you agree um, with that
1: I would except then again if I look at my high flyers who are meeting with me and they've gotten an a on every paper and they maybe know that, but they still seem fearful of like they they have hyperbolic, oh, I failed this test and they got a 94 or something, you know, um, these high flyers, but the high flyers are still meeting, knowing they are probably gonna do well and pursuing excellence. and so I, the only reason I note that is that it's just like the people who work out regularly talking about how good it is, how make how it makes them feel. It seems that the people really successful in an area, Are not or have have transitioned beyond fear of failure, Mm. um, and or feel fear and then gone and then gone into a a more positive like pursuit of excellence. But you're right that like maybe they never would have tried. And clearly, you have your C students or your D students. Just you know at that point, fear of failure is motivating them to meet with the teacher or try to follow directions and read closely and that sort of thing. So unfortunately, the stick. Well, but grades are the stick, you know, yeah, I mean,
0: obviously there are differences in personality to help people respond. I mean, there's a whole area of personality psychology discussing how people respond to negative emotion. Some people are more neurotic and anxious and some people are less neurotic and anxious and um, how they respond and how they respond to negative emotion. And I think fear and anxiety <laughs> would, you know, would definitely fall under that umbrella so maybe that explains the difference. And, you know, some people are are more likely to be like, oh, this workout feels great. Oh, I love eating this protein powder. Uh, and, some, <laughs> and some people are like, oh, I'm looking pretty sloppy today in the mirror. Gosh, I guess I can only eat lettuce, um, you know. <laughs> and and those are kind of the two, uh, the two poles of this thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I don't know if this is an idea I want to – entertain because it might be too off subject for fear let me know but but there seems to be a relationship between things that are good for you are sort of boring and slow uh like work you do one workout you don't go from fat to not fat in fact it's it's and it's not that exciting it doesn't even feel that good especially initially mm-hmm. um, but it's like slow and deliberate workouts over time same with eating right uh, like these habits that are good for you are slow and not sexy yeah And they're good for you. And then the the converse is completely true that like a delicious, crappy fast food meal that, you know, is bad for you. So like the immediate pleasure and the long-term misfortune of bad, of of unsustainable things um, or getting drunk or something like that. Although obviously some people don't like getting drunk, but clearly like a lot of people do and yet it's not good for you in the long run. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was just thinking... I want to tie that to fear uh if that's possible and say like is there something to be said for what we're saying is like people that if you live your life avoiding or motivated by fear fear is your primary goal to get you to do things yeah. you might be at the bottom you might be the bad student or the fat person in the fat person looking in the mirror um instead of the person pursuing excellence in a field so you want to kind of do a, a self-check and make sure that fear is not your primary motivator in life or else that's a suggestion that maybe you're just struggling to keep up with life and you're just not being that successful and then that's a weird thought so those that are not doing that well in life are just perpetually fearful which is uh psychologically taxing and tiring and grading and, and calls it's just this self-fulfilling prophecy and he's like
0: ah, i'm just anxious and not good at things <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I I could definitely see a link, you know, when you talk about how a lot of positive progress in life is incremental and fear is not a good incremental encouragement, right? Because it's kind of, at least the way I envision it, it's kind of sporadic and it's only when you start thinking about something do you become fearful and otherwise you just try to put, you know, sweep it under the rug and not think about what you're afraid of. Whereas if you're positively motivated and you have a goal, then that's on your mind more and you're constantly taking steps toward it. And that, that constant nature of progress, setting a goal and working towards it, that jives really well with the idea of incremental, incremental improvement, which is you know how, yeah. how people experience positive benefits. So I see that. So- I see some link there. Is fear
1: like the caffeine, like a boost, uh, an energy drink? You know, a P ninety X or something like that. You know, like it is a good motivator. You will think clearly. I've even heard that like fear can uh, temporarily give you an immune boost. You know, it's just like, and it's a, it's an immediate motivator. Fear, particularly, you're in danger. Get out of this. Yeah. Um, But there's no substitute if you're like tired. The key is to get a good. Good sleep, and that means regulating yeah. your circadian rhythm and doing this over time, which is, again, not sexy, not flashy, not fun. It requires discipline, and it's just going to have that payoff, whereas the analogy of fear being the caffeine boost to the, like, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake, but it's no long-term solution just to drink energy drinks. Um, yeah.
0: Let me, let me ask you another, uh, to categorize another thing. So we, we've talked before about those times when your body betrays you, and you know you get that adrenaline rush and your your palms start sweating and you you know you stumble over your words it it, yeah would would it be fair to say that if you have an involuntary nervous response like that to something that you're afraid of it
1: yes is my knee jerk (laughs) i keep saying knee jerk but that's that's what i want to say is yes uh or you are i mean you're hyper my experience when i say my body betrays me what i mean is that i have these thoughts i am a reasonable guy and yet i might not be able to articulate those thoughts because i'm having this adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. and i'm recognizing that i am in the position it's it's do or die time. It is go time. Like, go, perform. Here it is. Be careful, though, because the stakes are high, because it always coincides with yeah. the high-stakes moment. Not a, not typically a good-faith interaction, but usually a bad-faith interaction, or potentially public speaking yep. and, or something like that. Um, and when it's a bad-faith interaction you know you don't get do-overs you know you're the, like what you do next will either escalate or de-escalate there seem to be the two like well and how offended are you and how willing are you to escalate and should you escalate um, and when you're not thinking clearly when that, when that adrenaline rush is sort of bypassing your 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 calmness and your your intellect yeah it sounds like fear is starting to take over or something i don't know, fear might not be the right word because But that it's again it it hits all the definitions we've talked about. It's a recognition of the importance of the situation and the potential danger in it. Um, If you're angry, there's some sense of like injustice that has occurred potentially, and that maybe you should push this issue. Maybe it. And and if you're angry and you're heated emotionally, your your calculation is screwed up right maybe you face some disappointment or some shame or something that made you angry and you're uh and by the way my personal philosophy is if i'm feeling that emotional i tend to want to just not do anything and say anything but that doesn't mean you can go around never responding or going silent if someone's asking you a question and going what answer me answer me like you have this is like a response that is demanded of you so um, like for instance I've, I've or, or the opposite would be like something happens that you don't like like I had something today I talked with you before the podcast that I'm frustrated by and I want to say something but I'm also mad and so if I say something while I'm mad that yeah. seems like a bad recipe because again I, I recognize that I'm not emotionally I'm not soberly calculating things so what I do is I just say I'm not going to write any emails or make any phone calls or send any texts for a couple of days until I'm I'm cool on it. And then I can soberly reflect. Um, But is that fear that like that adrenaline Uh, maybe, or maybe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's what I I was having trouble slotting this in neatly because, you know, like I, uh, despite being sometimes provocative with the things I say, I actually don't enjoy confrontation with people. Um, Especially like when you say it's a bad faith confrontation, I don't enjoy that at all. Like if there's someone I genuinely don't like, and they genuinely don't like me, and we're having an argument, I don't enjoy that situation. Um, and that I, situation, I don't think
1: anyone well adjusted does. By the way, I think you may you might even get a thrill out of intellectually sparring. But sure. Uh, If things start to get really heated or you recognize you might be jeopardizing something relationally Mm -hmm. or they're already in a bad relationship, then you wouldn't even want to intellectually spar with them unless there's a I can really show them up. There's there's that temptation, a little lesser part of our nature, though, like it's a little immature, like you're going to show them up. Um, But then you recognize, yeah, once it's gone beyond that, like now we're kind of devolving to insults or something that is. Yeah, yeah. That I don't see where there's any joy in bad faith conversation, unless you are. I, I just don't think well-adjusted people. There are well-adjusted people that enjoy that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there are people that say they they're willing to go in and like, yeah, they'll debate people all the time. But these are like maybe maybe joyless people or <laughs> something isn't quite right. They're getting their joy, but it's from bad energy. And I could see that sounds hippie of me, but bad no, energy. Well, yeah, is, that part is does is the definition. Happy. Saying bad energy, but what I'm saying is recognizing the bad faith yes. conversation and the danger involved with that, the ill will that's that's floating floating about. You
0: know? <laughs> Their aura. Um, I could yeah, see. Yeah. Um, I could see someone enjoying engaging in a conversation like that with an audience, so that they can essentially put the other person's bad faith on display. But again. I don't know that that's something you necessarily enjoy so much.
1: Yeah, but that's when you're like, okay, a political commentator goes on a big news show in order to not actually address the person they're disagreeing with, but to address the audience. That's a different. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: a little different. Um, But
1: But that's true. Like in a classroom, a conversation, I have to remind myself that it's not just between me and the student or even the students uh, conversing with each other. It's like, it's the audience there. So that it's like, definitely an additional layer of motivation uh yeah but fear uh yeah i guess fear is like if i got some news i didn't want to hear professionally or like a disappointment or something like that i can easily call that fear because it would mean oh i thought i had a particular standing uh within an institution yeah what if
0: what if for example you got an email and it said um daniel uh, we've gotten a complaint about your workplace behavior. Uh, and it was you know uh we heard via I don't know via student channels that you uh you know you said something inappropriate. You said this particular phrase, and uh you know we need to have a talk about this. Would this would that cause you to have this sort of f- what we're saying as a fear reaction? This let's say in fact that. Um, the phrase you said there was additional context around it, that made it not, you know, you could justify it, um, as not being inappropriate. Like would, would yeah. this, would the threat of confrontation, like maybe this was, they're setting a, up a conference with the parents of the students or something. Would that sort of uh, situation cause you to have this sort of physiological adrenaline response? Yes, it would.
1: Um, and, I would, I think fear is the right word for it. I mean, I might use words like, oh, I'm frustrated. I feel misunderstood. I want to, I'm so eager to clarify things immediately, but I know now that like there's a lot of parties involved and it's going to have to, like, it takes time to whether it's to get us all into a room or not. And that anticipation would create the anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. like the, ah, I want to clarify everything now because it feels like it could be the simple solution if I could just... Uh, and I'd also be like, well, why, man? You know, this is when good faith goes a long way. The pre- like the presumption of goodwill and like establishing good relationships, and like presumably in this situation, like a student would have misinterpreted or taken out of context. But I'd be I'd be hurt, mad, frustrated about what what why why given our relationship with could they how could they possibly interpret it in this manner? Uh, that makes me sad. But that's like and that's a longer work to get into. Hey, and then I have to calm down and go. Well, well, can I understand why they got there? Like, were they frustrated with something? Like, what, what are all the elements here? But yes, uh, this sense of overwhelm in that moment of potential, potential reputational cost, uh, and having to to go explain myself and all the uncertainty that that. Even if I feel confident, I can explain myself well. Uh, it's just the way I view things is is. Dang it that kind of like took some capital from you, mm. and even if you don't have another incident, so I hate when something like that happens. If something like that happens, that it could you're kind of low on capital right now, so you just need to tread lightly for a while, even if, if it was totally explained and went away. You know, it's just you're low. Sorry that you, you it takes a while to fill that back up yeah. because if you're constantly being accused of things like that, it starts to feel true, even if it's not.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I think. Even if it's not true, it, it, it can influence your reputation. I mean, I think we've seen that socially. You know, people who are saddled with a lot of spurious accusations tend to get tarnished, even if the accusations are never proven or if they're proven false later. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you think about uh, the fear of missing out, FOMO? How does that rank in? Is that a legitimate fear in the same way that we've been talking about things?
1: Um. Well, for instance, David is notorious for having a lot of FOMO, so he does he will do things that will make him physically miserable, like get less sleep or even spend money for a last minute flight or uh like like he'll do things that are just not on paper very wise nor are they comfortable, nor do they make a lot of sense in in any other context other than uh, you know this this group of friends is hanging out or this thing he really wants is unfolding and if he doesn't go he'll be the one left out and so that so he's certainly experiencing a strong pool um is it fear i mean we call it literally fear yeah. missing out like uh it's and you are m- motivated by m- avoiding a negative. Right in that sense. Cause missing out is the negative and you're motivated by that missing out. And instead of like, I, so yeah, I think it meets all the definitions of fear. It's just that why I don't like it is you should do things based on whether you want to do them or whether it's feasible. So I don't, and I do experience it like gets natural. If you're a great group of friends is going on a trip that you would want to go to. Um, and you not going and the trip continues you know you're missing out right and they all, the, the, if you're confident in your friendships there, there's if you're a secure person you're not worried about oh my god they're gonna talk about me or oh they're <laughs> gonna they're gonna start a cool inside joke and I will not be a part of that and even, and I might get left behind that's insecurity straight up right um, but let's say though let's say you're you're adjusted well and you, you've faith in your friendships and you're not worried about that you're just purely like ah oh, they're gonna like eat some cheeseburgers and go to some games and do some fun things and I'm, i've wanted to be with them and laugh and uh that's still legitimate if, if you make an unwise financial decision or a difficult choice that you would not otherwise like like
0: it i mean it's, it, it's a, i think it's perfectly yeah. natural to want to participate in that sort of thing it seems like to help the healthy response is, well, I'm really glad my friends are getting to, you know, hang out with each other. Like, you want you want good things and good times for your friends. And so, if you don't get to go, yeah, you wish you could be there, but you would rather not be able to go and the event still happen than the event not happen at all.
1: Yes. If you feel like you'd rather the event not happen at all, I'd say that you need to examine yourself and say there's something out of balance and there's some insecurity on your your behalf like that you need to reflect on uh, I really would see uh, because that's just kind of cruel even
0: yeah, I yeah. Would say
1: like either I can have fun or no one can kind of thing it's like what's wrong with you
0: there's a uh, there's a quote by HP Lovecraft the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is the fear of the unknown does that that seems to that kind of seems to capture a lot of what we've been talking about, even talking about the fear of missing out in this context, like what are you afraid of? You're afraid of the the un the essentially the unknown things that will happen in your absence the the unknown future that could have been if you were there enjoying this fun time with your friends like you'll never know how fun it could have been uh yeah. were you there? That seems in to the
1: email situation that I'm being like. Even if I can't explain myself well, there's still uncertainty and unknown oh, absolutely. about what damage does this have on your reputation. Will people actually listen to you and be convinced? Um, tons of unknowns. Right. So it is... The spider, you know, what
0: if it bites you? You know, are you, is it going to hurt? Are you going to be allergic? Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Is it poisonous? You know, black widow, this and that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is the moose, you know, going to charge me? or?
1: Because I would not say that you're fearful of like stubbing your toe because it's just like well i don't walk around fearful of that even if i stub my toe recently and i notice that corner juts out i'll first of all either amend the corner like adjust the furniture accordingly or uh or i'll just be more conscious about that's a potential hazard but i don't feel what i would call fear uh Mm -hmm. you know because it's a no i know what having your toe stubbed i know i can avoid it It feels too within your control to have unknown factors Um, like the only only unknown is what if i'm really tired and i can't i'm not concentrating on my bodily awareness and i stub my toe but that's such a like that's a pretty low unknown threshold so i'm no longer fearful so yeah the uh, it is fear of unknown you know there's nothing to fear but fear itself kind of thing it's like the idea of the The unknown
0: uh, is what motivates fear. That was the other, that was the one other quote I had to potentially, potentially discuss. (laughs) There's nothing to fear but fear itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so famous. I I just threw it in there. Like, uh, well, if you want to stop and think about that, like, um, well, first of all, I kind of just think no it's again it's a good thought experiment and it's a useful quote to think about it's like yeah fear consumes us and that's the worst thing that's the thing we should be afraid of more than whatever it is yeah. but go ahead and be scared of bees and wasps in it like you probably should be because they can sting you i should probably be scared of spiders a little bit or a, or a moose that could charge at you so well, those are worth being scared of and fearful of but fear is the Probably the most damning thing
0: on us psychologically. Fears the mind killer. That's a quote from Dune. Uh, that's, a good, um, the, uh, that's a good quote. When I think about the uh, the FDR quote, uh, "There's nothing to fear but fear itself," to me that seems like practical advice to essentially not panic. Like f- the fear is what you should be afraid of. Like the, the control it has over you, the irrationality that it can that it can make you experience you know, that's what it seems like the, yeah. w- the warning is against like yeah it's fine to have a rational aversion to spiders or musai or whatever but <laughs> it's when you start taking irrational action and that fear controls you that's when it becomes worthy of f- being afraid of
1: you, my parents had a lot of explicit discussions now that i think of it this way about fear And they said, you know, there are a lot of people that are afraid to do things, whether it's ride a roller coaster or even live in another town or even drive on, like, you know, on the highway or there's like, there's people that you can find someone who's scared of anything. Um, But even if you wanted to protect yourself and never leave your home and, you know, live the smallest, safest life with the least amount of risk, you could get out of your your bed, your foot could be asleep and you could fall and hit your head and die. Like you can, like... And it's weird how they said that to me as a kid. I'm like, wait, ah, that's kind of a scary thought. But they're like, yeah, yeah, life is inherently a little scary. And if you're going to let that fear make you not go out and do things, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like that, telling me that, frequently like that was one of the i I mean every parent's probably told their kids some version of that but this was one of the i'm hammering this home if i was scared to ride a roller coaster and i was like but can i or like should i is it too dangerous they're like they would say just like remember you could you can you can die slipping on ice, like, like walking to your car. Like, you can die, like... like and it, it, little, I think what's funny is... Little Daniel,
0: little child Daniel living yeah. in Georgia, you could slip on ice walking to your car.
1: You could slip or whatever. You could just die. There's a million ways to die. Like, right. at least doing it on a roller coaster. Like, that's a cool way. <laughs> um, but it was freeing to me because as and maybe this is even better it sounds like a horrible thing to tell a kid but if you're a kid and you intellectually acknowledge that you can in fact die walking to your car but that doesn't actually scare you because you're a kid and you've done it a ton of times and you're like yeah 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 i get that i can but i'm not like i'm it's not something to be scared of is actually the point mm-hmm. is like it in and and as a kid, you're not going to be convinced to be scared of it, or at least I wasn't. That wasn't my reaction of, oh, my gosh, now when I walk in my car, I'm going to freak out. Like, no, it was like, oh, you're right. Like, that's such a safe thing, and it has risk.
0: So I mean, uh, it seems like that parental advice could be dangerous to the wrong kind of person, right? A person yeah. who is very prone to anxiety, someone very neurotic, could take that as, oh, you're right. I didn't even realize that literally everything can kill me. And that means now I have to be extra careful and aware. I get what you're
1: saying, but I would like to, like, in the same way that you have to face your demons, it's like if someone is always scared of getting uh, uh, hurt physically, it's like, look, like, you need to confront the fact, the reality is that you could always be hurt, and you're putting too much energy on Mm -hmm. areas A and B and C, when, like, if you were to try to be logical about this, um, and by the way, I've I've heard people like. John Green wrote about OCD and said, it's not that I'm illogical, it's that I'm hyperlogical. And so what would happen is he'd get this idea, he'd go to Moe's or something and say, I'll have a burrito. And then he'd think, what if they spit in the burrito? And he'd say, that's an irrational thought. Um, but there is a, you, like, you can't prove that they didn't spit in the burrito. And you get into this thought spiral of, even though I know it's really, 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 really unlikely, it's practically zero. But that word practically is dwelling upon me because like, it's the word pra- like. It's not absolute zero. It's not definitively zero. It's, it's practically zero. And then you get hung up on the idea of like, okay, well, if I eat enough burritos, and so he thought spirals. Yeah. And so, it, again, what he would call hyper rationality, like this this fixation on something where, you know... By the and, way, and,
0: and, spitting... Yeah. people, sp- Like, that's an irrational fear in the first place, people spitting in your food. Like, it's not dangerous. So, like, even if someone did spit in your food... So, so it's uh, kind of gross. It's gross. But, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like psych- we psychologically think that it's gross and disgusting and it is gross and disgusting. But if 100 people spit in your food and you ate the food, you, w- you would probably never know and you would never experience any negative outcome. From you wouldn't it. even get like a cold. You'd get a cold if they had a cold, probably. I mean, I doubt it. Probably not. I mean, if you're in the same restaurant that they're breathing in, you know, then they're you could catch the cold that way just as easily. If you're not going to catch a cold that way, then you're not going to catch it digesting a small amount of their saliva where it gets destroyed in your stomach acid. So I just, Hmm. I I think that, you know, a lot of people think about that, like, oh, I better tip well or they're going to spit in my food or I better not be a jerk or they're going to spit in my food. And I think that's not an appropriate framing of it. Like we should just culturally not be afraid of people spitting in our food. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. But I want those people who spit in the food to treat it as pretty seriously thing serious thing not to do. Um, yeah, sure. So <laughs> obviously. Cuz if you're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. You're like, you know what, right? This person was kind of a jerk, so I'm going to spit in their right. food. Right. We should so res- <laughs> we should
0: we should culturally not be afraid of people spitting in our food, but we should also execute people if they're found to have spit in food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. the right balance, I think. <laughs>
1: That's how I like to live my life in some ways, you know. <laughs> there's there is a metaphor there that's like, yeah, like I'm gonna mess up and kind of just treat it as not that big of a deal, but like have really firm barriers about preventing the messing up, you know. There we go. Um, that's because yeah, I mean that's what that's what you should do. Okay, you found out that someone's spitting that burrito. You should just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, well, I ate it, nothing I can do. But if there's a if there's a spit in your burrito. Web, you know, or place to eat lunch. You, you say no. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna patron, patronize yeah, no, that right. place. You're right. <laughs> I feel like it's a callback to a joke we made a long time ago. It I don't is. Know. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to talk about on fear. What? Well, one last quote then. Oh, okay. end. Uh, right, right. For it. Uh, I think Eleanor Roosevelt said, uh, "Do something that scares you every day." Another Roosevelt
0: yeah. quote. Jeez, these yeah. people are
1: obsessed with They're fear. Obsessed with fear. <laughs> Do something that to fear, scares but fear you. Fear itself. Do something that scares you every day. Every day. I don't think I agree with that. Again, I think it's one of those. If you take literally, it's like the fear, but fear itself. It's more of an intellectual exercise of like t- take some risks, and that's when you learn. Yeah, and sure. That's what it push push your to,
0: boundaries it, it, a little bit. Like, don't don't live a coddled life of too much order. You know, you need a little yeah, bit of be chaos. willing to be
1: embarrassed or or take a risk or whatever. Sure. Um, you know. It's like good. You could say something like, "I could say something." Good teaching is embarrassing yourself at least once a day. And yeah, I, like, if we got literal on it, we, that's just goofy, and not even the point. It's like really every day. That's all. So you have to actively find ways to. It's like no, no, no. What I mean is be, be out there, be yourself, and you're gonna embarrass yourself frequently. Yeah, like,
0: I get it. I good. mean, yeah, I understand that. Some I don't know. Sometimes these quotes, you have to be careful with quotes, right? Because when you hear them out of context, some people may take them literally. And so yeah. I don't know, like if you're gonna, if you're gonna attach your name to a quote like that, then why don't you actually say what you mean? Like, I mean, I am not giving enough credit cause maybe it wasn't, well, just, it wasn't I'm actually intended. just wrestling
1: with the poetic license of it too. I want to say things poetically or in an interesting way, because if you changed, um, do something that scares you every day to, um, Please take, like, take some responsible risks that might advance your way of thinking and perspective on life. I don't know. It might just lose some of the... Uh... I mean, I
0: think that it's no less poetic to say, don't live a life of excessive order. I mean, that's yeah. plenty poetic and that doesn't, you know, it's
1: literally... Acceptable. You know what? Screw Eleanor Roosevelt. You're right. I'm not a big live fan. A, I'm not don't a fan live of a the, life of excessive order. I'm not, not a fan of the bad.
0: Roosevelts anyway. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, when I, I saw the quote and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that quote. Oh, it's FDR. Oh, that guy. <laughs> that guy. No wonder. Yeah.
1: Figures. Yeah. Uh, okay. The end. The end. Bye. <laughs>